0: Are you looking to take your media strategy to the next level and make impact with millions of customers? Walmart Connect harnesses the massive reach of America's number one retailer. They can help you connect more meaningfully with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers to find the right audience for your message. They use Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to help you precisely target even niche audiences at scale. Visit walmartconnect.com today to see how they can help you find the customers you want at the scale you need.
1: Hey, I'm sure by now you're aware of programmatic ad tech, but what is it exactly? Programmatic advertising, in some ways, is really anytime you're using software and data to make your media buying decisions. We see it in display ads, and CTV, programmatic digital out of home, and of course, audio. And new ad technologies are coming out every day. Actually, what you're hearing right now is a type of programmatic ad, or at least a hybrid. It's not programmatic in the sense that a piece of software is buying this ad right now in a real-time bidding auction, but it is programmatic in the sense that it was bought through a buying platform that matched the advertiser to this podcast. And who is the advertiser? Grape Media. When it comes to the world of programmatic, They're one of the companies that knows the most about the latest advances in all programmatic. Their whole mission is programmatic that lets you play with the giants. They open the door and walk you through the entire programmatic landscape. They're the closest thing possible to an in-house programmatic team without the expense and trouble of an actual in-house team. They're completely tech agnostic, which means they sit on all ad technologies, including emerging ones, like the platform they use to serve this host red ad. If you're curious to take your programmatic further, reach out to them at grapeseedmedia.com. And thank you, Grapeseed Media, for being a sponsor of this podcast. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, a show where we discuss trends, marketing, pop culture, and going behind the scenes of viral Super Bowl spots that star Michael Sarah. I'm Luz Corona, AdWeek community editor. Joining us for today's special episode, we have Charlotte Tanzil, Ogilvy North America's president of PR, Influence, and Social, and Adam Cornblum. SVP, Head of Global Digital Marketing, for Sarah V under the L'Oreal umbrella. But first, I am joined by my friend and colleague, Jameson Fleming, agency's managing editor at Adweek, to talk post-Super Bowl real quick. Lessons learned, the wins and the losses. But first, Jameson, how are you recovering?
2: I'm a little tired, but, you know, I had a couple of good nights sleep, and I'm ready to go. Let's go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a late night and we've still um, continued sprinting with some post-Super Bowl stories. But yes, we'd love to hear from you. Um, just, you know, quick recap. What what were the wins and losses and lessons learned of the night that Stem coming out of Sunday?
2: Yeah. So there's a few different ways, a few key things that I think we've sort of realized about Super Bowl in 2024. And one of them is idea is so important. I'm not one of these people who are going to go, you shouldn't do celebrities. There's too many celebrities. I think celebrities are perfectly fine if there is a very good idea that attaches that celebrity to the brand. I think Sarah V, as uh, you're going to hear in this show, is a perfect example of that, where, yeah, okay, Michael Sarah, it's a joke, it's a prank. That ad does a really good job talking about the benefits of Sarah V. There is a real idea there. Uh, I think you you saw that you know even with the the Dunkin' Dunkings like yeah it's goofy it's fun it's absurd it's packed with celebrities, but at the end of the day they were talking about the drink they showed the drink that they were selling the product is there I think those kind of ads are way more memorable than say an Uber Eats where. I don't really remember what was supposed to be like what they were touting in that ad and uh, me saying I don't remember is not not intentional with that ad because it was all about not remembering stuff <laughs> but like uh, you know Jennifer Aniston forgetting she's in she was in friends like that could have been for a thousand different companies uh, and all you know that so, I think if you've got a, a strong idea tied to your spot, whether there's celebrities, no celebrities, thirty seconds, sixty seconds, I think it really, really comes down to that. If you're just trying to entertain us for thirty seconds uh, with something that's not tied to a specific benefit to your brand or a specific positioning, it just doesn't matter anymore.
1: Right, um, and that and that's so true. And I feel like we've seen that in the last few days. I mean, the Dunkings that. Really also another big contender. And I will say, I think the follow through is so important because I think I sent this picture out to some of you this morning, but I went to Dunkin' this morning. The ad is playing on the screen, you know, with with Ben Affleck, JLo. lo They do they indeed have their own specialty drinks. It's almost like a little martini, like there's like a little bit, you know, there's like a garnish of a munchkin. I don't remember, but it was really fun. And I think it's part of the follow up as well.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you can figure out how to extend the life of this stuff past Super Bowl, I mean, that's the key. It's the walk-up beforehand, it's running night of, and it's the, the follow-up afterwards. And we've seen too many ads in recent years just drop something on Super Bowl night or you know, share it in advance with no real reason to get excited about it. Uh, and so you have to think through the full campaign because – it just too much money is on the line you know if you're a cmo and you're asking for a 20 or 30 million dollar investment you can't just be about brand awareness anymore you've got to have a real message tied to your brand
1: And I think it ties to your earlier point, and this is something that was repeated constantly when we were agency side is, you know, making when you come up with this big splashy idea is the product replaceable? Like, can it apply to anything, you know, to your point before about Uber Eats? Such a good example. Now, before we jump into our really awesome conversation, I have to tell you, it was really so great to talk to the V folks and the Ogilvy folks who worked on the spot that also stole the night. Um, your team came out... or somebody on our team came out with an interesting piece this week about 30 seconds for a 60-second Super Bowl and just how it impacts storytelling. So can you tell us a little bit there um, in terms of post-game analysis?
2: Yeah, so this this is an observation I had. If you look at AdMeter, if you look at our rankings, you look at other publications that have authority on this, you will see a very common theme of 60-second ads ruled the day. And while we... Ranked CeraVe number one overall, you know, I'll say that the, the 60 or technically it's 76 seconds, is the long cut, uh, but most of them are 60 second cuts and some of them are even 90s. You know, those ads dominated those rankings. Uh, it is really hard to have a moment in 30 seconds in the Super Bowl. And that's not to say it can't be done. I thought the the more that I step away from the Super Bowl, the more that I like the Reese's ad. Uh which was 30 seconds without a celebrity. And I've seen that kind of pop up on, uh, you know, some data that showed that that ad performed really well. Uh, So it can be done, um, but it really feels like 60 seconds seems to be where brands are finding their sweet spot in the Super Bowl. And to me, it kind of makes sense to buy that extra 30 seconds because if you're investing – you know, 10 to $20 million in the production of the ad if you're going celebrity heavy. It's almost like, what is another $7 million on top of it? Uh, Because your return on investment or your just return on attention that you get, it feels like is worth that extra $7 million if you're gonna put all that effort and resources into it. Go for 60 instead of 30 or even at least 45. I mean, I loved the 45 second Etsy ad and the 30 second is still really good. But the best jokes get cut from that Etsy ad in just that 15 seconds. And I think if Etsy had run the full 45, I think you would have seen them at the top of pretty much everybody's rankings because the 45 is that good.
1: Interesting. That That's so interesting. And you know, as you're speaking about this, this reminds me of what we heard at our Outlook event earlier this year, where Sammy, our head of social, was talking about long form storytelling is making a comeback. We're seeing it in longer form videos with the return of it to TikTok or and all these other social platforms that are going to be welcoming these long, long form videos. So I wonder if this is something that's kind of like the Super Bowl was kind of a good showing of that.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what brands do do next year. I I think they're going to look at the Super Bowl and say, like, wow, you know, BMW and State Farm and Verizon, T-Mobile, like all these brands that showed up pretty well during the game and they went for, you know, a a full minute. Uh, You know, it it will be interesting to see. And, you know, some of the other brands I kind of found fell short. You know, you can look at some of the perennial advertisers like Skechers and, you know, Bass Pro Shops shows up now pretty often and CrowdStrike is now in two straight years. I tend not to to ding those brands on with seemingly low low budget uh, commercials because I, I assume that they're in the game for a reason every year. You know, it's clearly working for them even though us as, you know, analysts of creativity and, and marketing – tend to go, oh, that didn't look that great. It's more the brands that you can tell really tried. That then fell short. Like Oreo, I'm not really quite sure what the attempt was there. They played into, you know, something that people do do in terms of twisting their Oreos and tried to make – making decisions based on them a thing, which is not a thing to, I think, everybody's knowledge, unless that's happening in some corner of this country that I'm unaware of, <laughs> um, if that's a regional thing. But it's certainly not not a Northeast thing. Um, and so you kind of see some of those like big brands that really you could tell went heavy on production costs and talent costs that fell short that I think are the ones that are going to be having to really answer some tw- tough questions this week uh, in terms of, you know, their ads.
1: Yeah, for sure. And then um, you mentioned those, those ads that you just mentioned reminded me of like the regional ads, which to be honest, I feel like should have gotten a little bit more love. You know, I was kind of making my way through them in Kyle O'Brien's write up. Um, and there are just some real zingers in there. And you've got to love the personalization aspect. So I'm going to use the John Stamos ad, um, I believe is with it was with zeds i'm not sure do you remember i can't remember it was i
2: think Zeme,
1: i think was the, the company it's like yeah. i
2: believe a streaming
1: service yeah and they used john stamos like america's sweetheart another america's sweetheart and they used it to to promote their product offerings but they also personalized it to different markets which i think is a, another effective form of storytelling
2: yeah and i think that's sometimes where we we forget that you know, you can hit the 10 largest markets in the country for, you know, a, a discount compared to, you know, a full buy and still generate the same kind of attention because Oikos did that um, with the Jeremy Renner spot. Got a lot of play, was just a regional buy. Um, the the Knicks ad uh, or NYX, um, you know, makeup, that thing blew up. Uh, they originally had a 60-second spot and the last 30 seconds were, I guess, too vulgar for the network to, to run. Um, and so it got cut back into a 30, um, but that generated a lot of headlines and probably was seen by just as many people, uh, practically, uh, as, as if it had been a national buy. And so, yeah, I, I think a lot of brands also probably need to reevaluate, does it make sense to go big on a regional ad and expect the press to pick it up? Because at the end of the day, Ad Week and a couple of our competitors are the only ones that actually care about whether it's a regional ad and a Super Bowl ad, and that's yeah. really just for record keeping purposes. Like, you know, uh, people and Good Morning America and Today Show, like they don't they don't care if it's regional or national. They're going to cover it if it's a good noteworthy ad. So. Uh, You know, I think there's a lot of earned media uh, part of the Super Bowl that I think brands are really starting to get savvy with and understand that you can get way more legs out of your money uh, if you spend in only certain markets. But you go big and you tout it as a Super Bowl ad because most media outlets and even people randomly on TikTok and Instagram don't know the distinction. So, uh, you know, it's so blurred at this point that, you know, it's also a very viable strategy to, to go that route.
1: Yeah, I would say and that's just a good I would imagine is such a good strategic way of making the best use of your budget if these days like you can buy a regional spot and then it'll just, you know, have legs to take off on social if it has that potential, the story is there, then you're really making a getting a bang for your buck.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, um, we're about to jump into the conversation with I'm going to I'm going to give it to them, the king and queen of paid media for the Super Bowl. This was the people behind the scenes of the CeraVe ad where, spoiler alert, their goal was actually earned media and then paid media on top of it. Um, and they really just executed it so well. Um, but Jameson, uh, thank you so much for joining us and kind of giving us a, a quick postgame analysis.
2: Of course. Always happy to be here.
1: Thanks. And after this quick break, we'll jump into our conversation with the folks behind the CeraVe ad.
0: Ready to unlock the full potential of your media spend? Whether you're looking to launch a new product, build your brand, or help increase sales this quarter, Walmart Connect helps brands make an impact with precise targeting, powerful analytics, and the reach of America's number one retailer. Walmart Connect offers solutions for advertisers of all sizes on and off Walmart's digital properties and in their stores. From cost-effective sponsored search and self-serve display ads on Walmart's site and apps, to connected TV and off-site media across web and social, to in-store activations and live events. Walmart Connect can help you deliver the right content to the right Walmart customer at the right step of their shopping journey. And Walmart Connect's closed-loop measurement means they can track the full impact of your campaign on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today to find out how you can start connecting with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers. Walmart Connect. More than media. Meaningful connections.
1: I'm Michael Sarah, and human skin is my passion, which is why I developed this. Sarah v. Oh, you didn't
2: know? Oh. Can skin truly be this moisturized? Oh, yeah. Wow.
1: Let my cream hydrate you. <laughs> Three essential ceramides. Sarah V. Developed
2: with Michael Sarah. V. We
1: like. <laughs> and
2: so my name is Sarah, and so there's, it's a perfect crossover opportunity.
1: Okay, and welcome listeners. We have with us today, as you just heard, Adam from Sara V and Charlie from Ogilvy. Friends, how are you? What a successful week you've had.
3: Yeah, it's been awesome. We're, you know, I'm great. I could say Charlie. I'm great. We're both great. We <laughs> just <laughs> each other command center the whole thing. Yeah, you know, it's been amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It is. Ah. Oh, so great and um You know, obviously, I'm not going to get into like the whole like shebang. Everybody knows this was one of the most discussed ads of Super Bowl night, Um, but it didn't just start Super Bowl night, as you guys so strategically did with the teasers and incorporating creators. Um, But let's go back to the start. So how did the Sarah V in-game spot come to be? Like, I think most of us have heard about the seven-year-old Reddit thread that might have triggered these conversations, and you saw an affiliation with Michael Sarah, Sarah V. But talk us through the journey of pitching that and then, um, you know, taking the campaign all the way to the Super Bowl. I don't know if, Charlie, if you want to start, if it started agency side or Adam.
3: Well, I was going to say maybe, like, before we we go into the start of the spot, maybe we just go to the start of... The start for, for even <laughs> even further back for a second, um, because yeah. what's interesting is that Charlie and I worked together during Ogilvy PR days, so you know before I joined Cervey, and you know I think what made this so special is that we also share a point of view and a philosophy, and I'd say it's really that great earned, right? Earned amplifies paid exponentially. Right so if you have good earned content good earned buzz right paid media exponentially is much better you know it's a difficult approach for a marketer because the storytelling needs to be spot on the distribution of every aspect of, at that sto- you know of the story needs to hit that sticking point um but we both you know work together in this we shared the philosophy and our aim was to really rewrite the grammar and rules of marketing as it relates to big moments like the super bowl um and yeah it was so we grew up together we were trained together we shared the philosophies together and then um you know it was a match made in michael V heaven and everyone from sarah (laughs) to uh you know our relationships and point of views on communications
4: yeah couldn't agree more it's just such an incredible collaboration from the get-go and i think that earned first mindset and the way that 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 we think um, really helped, um, you know, allow us to do this differently.
3: Definitely. So Charlie, do you want to kick off on the start?
4: Yeah, so I love that question. The the Reddit from seven years ago, yeah, I mean, starting from the very beginning, this is an extremely sort of collaborative uh, process um, in, in the RFP process. But the first thing we did, which is what we always do, is turn to social listening for intelligence, for insights, Um, for inspiration because we knew we needed to create a social first idea. So we had to um, start there. And um, in our digging, we did, we found a, a Reddit post, if you can believe it from seven years ago that sort of speculates um, whether there's connection between Sarah and CeraVe, obviously, because he has, he has baby soft skin. So what other product um, <laughs> could he use? Um, and, you know, we found a couple other, a couple other, but it certainly wasn't widespread. It was just a little bit of a a deep-rooted internet conspiracy. Um, and we saw the potential um, of it. And that's when um, we started um, ideating and, um, and then brainstorming with with Adam and his team in the RFP process, and you know, I think to Adam's point, like really thinking beyond the spot, right? How do we, um, you know, Cerave is a brand that's been so sophisticated and and social and influencer. So how do we how do we build that 360 in um, and really create an experience that unfolds over time rather than in 30 seconds. Um, so that was, that was really sort of the, the beginning.
3: And I think that that is really also what made it special was even the start from the social listening, right? Because a brand, you know, you never just want to push a message. You want to make sure that, you know, the people are actually saying it and then you find a way to inject yourself into that conversation. So I think the way Ogilvy approached it and shared, all right, so we're seeing a seed. I think we can water it. Um, and I like ultimately that was like a beautiful start and like and which created obviously the perfect storm. And then their approach of like phasing out the storytelling in a special way with these three phases from the speculation phase to the FICO's public to the resolution, you know, obviously when we aired the Super Bowl, was really like spectacular immersive storytelling. And these were, you know, different aspects that We're just, we we must do this in every way, shape, and form.
1: Yeah. Um, It just struck me the irony of you, both your team, sitting in possibly a conference room or on a Zoom call discussing this pitch about Michael Sarah pitching to a group of people. So I I love, like, the irony here. Um, Now... You know, and I think it's so valuable also, um, the client-agency relationship is so important here. And Adam, you mentioned before, you both kind of came from the same school of thought, um, Mm -hmm. you know, coming from your early uh, agency days for both of you at Ogilvy. So um, totally hear that about the values. Now, why was this the right time for CeraVe to invest in the Super Bowl? You have your flashy idea. Was that Mm -hmm. intended for the Super Bowl or, or, you know, how did that work out?
3: Yeah, so... I'll answer that in two ways. So first is like building a cultural brand, right? And I think for us, you know, CeraVe has truly become a cultural brand, especially with Gen Z. So not to like rattle off different stats, but I'm going to. So like investment... We
1: love numbers. Go for okay. it. Hyper <laughs> Sandler,
3: right? We survey about 10,000 teens twice a year and found that CeraVe is ranked number one in share of mine in teens in the U.S., even a news outlet. I'll give you one more, recently wrote that, uh, t- so the headline, 10, I've actually memorized it, just saying, 10 Gen <laughs> Z status taking over American high schools, right? So for us, since 2020, we've started to rule TikTok, right? Billions and billions and billions of views. It's like, you know, a lot of it's organic, but we have different strategies that we put in play. So, you know, I think for us, it was, this is like, how do we, exponentially grow the brand even deeper and bigger. And um, what's the best way to do it? Well, from a US perspective, what's a cultural moment that we can be a part of, right? Because this is the time, you know, we've been welcomed into culture. Um, So how do we really build a cultural brand that goes beyond skincare, right? So I think that for me and the team, it's been thinking, you know, we want someone to have CeraVe in their bathroom for two reasons. One reason is that it actually works. It's a great product, developed with dermatologists, developed with ceramides, all since the beginning. Um, but also, I want you to have it in your bathroom. So when your friends come over, they think you're cool, right? Like they think you get it. <laughs> Brands are an extension of us. That's that's what it is. So so there's like a twofold aspect. Great product, and then your friends come over, your family, and they're like, oh, "I saw that on TikTok. I saw that on social. I saw that here. You know, like like they like they're legit." They must know and they must understand life. <laughs> about other things because they're so <laughs> smart now. So like so right. You have the one aspect of culture, and then secondly, what we're seeing in the the skincare you know space is that there's a lot of brands kind of copycatting and leveraging a lot of the messaging that we've been using since the beginning, right? So if you look at a Cerave product in the logo, it says "developed by dermatologist." You know some some brands are now. Starting to use that in their marketing materials. For us, it's our DNA, right? Ceramides is literally in our name, right? For others, it's the marketing material. So we're like, okay, how do we really take this a step further and own our codes, own our messaging in the biggest, you know, on the biggest stage, all right, and really impact culture where people understand we're the brand that's developed a dermatologist, not Michael Sarah, and Sarah (laughs) stands for ceramides an ingredient you may or may never heard of, but now you know it doesn't stand for Michael Sarah. So, you know, really like a a perfect storm and a perfect uh, time and then a perfect idea.
1: Yeah, for sure, and um, yeah, you're right. It's all in the details, right? And I noticed that even in like the script of the ad, and that's a great way. Instead of just saying, you know, this is created by dermatologists, you know, you instead went, this was not created by Michael Sarah. It was created by dermatologists. So even just down to the copy, it just showed the brand in such a strong way. Um, now, Charlie, I wanted to ask you. This was a busy Super Bowl for Ogilvy this year. Um, in our coverage, we've highlighted this how ogilvy besides the Kansas City Chiefs ogilvy had also won the super bowl with three big buzzy ads. So, you know, are there any lessons that were learned here about how brands should show up in culture? I feel like there's a lot of gems in what Adam has been saying. But can you talk about like agency side what you guys have learned from this big success this week? Sure. Yes. No, it's a it's an
4: exciting moment. Um uh, for Ogilvy and I think, you know what, you know what Adam was just sharing about uh, CeraVe and sort of the authenticity of, of the spot to them, to their DNA, to um, their sort of uh, core beliefs and messages, you know, that was brought forward in the way that we took it to culture. And, uh, you know, I think when you look at the all, you know, the, our three pieces of work in sort of the, the, the main airing of the Super Bowl it's true for for all three of those brands that the way that they showed up made sense uh, for them, felt authentic to them. Um, and you know, I think at Ogilvy, we're a bit unique in just our our scale and the breadth of our expertise as, as a global network, as a network that has deep expertise in in, yes, advertising and and everyone knows us for sort of our creative prowess, um, but our our deep, um, team of experts in social, in influence, in uh, PR, in uh, innovation and business strategy through our consulting uh, 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 business. You know, I think it's really the breadth of our, our capabilities that we were able to sort of unlock um, and bring forward um, for these different brands in a way that made sense for them.
1: Yeah. And I feel like that touches perfectly on what especially what you work on, Charlie, with um with your title and just kind of your expertise there at Ogilvy. Now, let's have a little post match analysis. I know. It was, let's talk engagement numbers. How did you because, Adam, I think it's so interesting and I feel like this is going to stick with me for a bit, how. Earned media was kind of the the main objective here, and that feeds paid media. So you're kind of like you said before, you're rewriting the rule book a little bit and not going about it backwards, but going about it in a non-traditional way. So what KPIs did you set for the first Super Bowl ad? Did it match up the expectations? You know, any surprises? Adam, give us the scoop.
3: Yeah. So we looked at KPIs across multiple touch points. Right, earned being like an incredibly important one, especially one that we can really instantly look at. Um, and you know, the ask was definitely serious, right? Like a billion this, a billion that. So despite like it being earned, I can,
4: I can attest to that. Adam was not short on <laughs> ambition. So
3: I mean, yeah. <laughs> it being earned, it may have sounded like paid, right? Because it was like I want a billion of this and a billion of that, and it earned billion and you know like impressions across social pr you know it's not just every day someone can can nail that down but i i believe charlie i think we're at if i understood right i don't I, I,
4: latest i'm understanding is 18 billion earned
3: so oh yeah. my wow and, yeah and i do think it's updating like
4: in oh, sorry. No, that's eighteen billion earned was, media impressions. Ten billion social media earned impressions. That's what impressions. I thought. I, I just didn't want to. Is that speak what out. you have, Adam? Yeah. I I was like, oh wait, I thought someone just wrote one the but like, somebody, I can't shortchange us. <laughs> I,
3: I, I, okay, so so we're at twenty-eight billion impressions yeah. across, uh, you know, social earned PR. Um, you know, I think for some of the night was how do we. Show up in a number one spot, but on social, right? Um, or you know, top, you know, in the in the top ranking. And even if you look at the campaign as a whole compared to other advertisers, like campaign versus campaigns date. I mean, from an engagement standpoint, like Servey's coming in at number one. Um, I asked to go trending across platforms, Twitter, TikTok, um, you know, and it happened. Um, you know, obviously there's, you know, conversion, you know, wanted to be number one, uh, on ad week, on ad age, uh, you know, like the super Clio actually wasn't asked for, but if I would have known, I would have asked
2: for it. Yeah. <laughs> you would have, I know you would have.
3: <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, top five, you know, most mentioned, um, you know, kind of top five in reach, like these were. Like things that we hope for and ask for, Um, and yeah, Olvi said they could, and they did. So yeah,
4: I think on the amazing, I think on the earned piece, you know, um, different consumers may have seen an asset here or there and sort of come into the campaign and out of the campaign in different ways, and I think that we spent a lot of time talking about that right and that that was okay you can just see one asset and then the Super Bowl spot or you could be completely obsessed seeking out the Easter eggs that we planted across the internet and and have seen you know the hundreds of pieces of content that that we put into the world but you know I think um, you know one you know just in terms of an earned first uh, approach and getting to those outcomes you know, it was meticulously sort of planned from, from the get go. So in terms of the rumors that were planted and the partnership with that pharmacy and the social, the influence, the PR, um, it was, it was proactively planned, not sort of, uh, reactively done, um, and I, you know, that being said, we of course pivoted in real time as it was unfolding, and as we were listening and understanding how the internet was was responding. Um, and you know, those sort of daily huddles, daily brainstorms, I think were so were so key, right, to um, to unfolding this on the internet, which is a pretty sort of daunting task.
3: And then too, even adding right? There was all touch points, right? So our website, when we went into mm-hmm. phase two on the debunking, yeah. right, we put up a pop-up that, and we get a lot of traffic to CeraVe.com and other CeraVe sites around the world. And there's a, now an official pop-up saying like, we heard these rumors, you know, we, we respect and love Michael as an actor, but like, he didn't develop CeraVe, you know, it's been developed with Derms, stands for ceramides. Want to put it <laughs> out there. By the way, if you want a free sample, sign up. You know, so you could see, like, you know, really closing the loop. Um, And then from emails to SMS, uh, like, the goal was really to make this immersive campaign, immersive storytelling, really, like, across all touch points. And what I love is when I see an email of ours go on, you know, hit Reddit, right? When someone's screenshotting our website pop-up and it lands on Twitter at X, when it lands on X. You know, like these are like, that's magical when it goes from platform to platform and it's seamless because people want to buzz about it. And I think this was also like the beauty of this immersive storytelling, this campaign is it actually made that happen.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you that we that's how we discovered the campaign. And then, you know, and then we verified later on, like, is this something related to the Super Bowl? But it's so interesting because as you guys are talking about it, I'm remembering my coworkers just saying like, yeah, something's up with Sarah V. Like this came up on TikTok and, you know, the buzz started. So am I allowed to ask how you had to pivot as it was going down in in real time? Like, was there something totally different planned or just how did you adjust to it in real time? I'm sure um, listeners would love to know.
4: If you you know, we had um, four hero sort of influencer assets, sort of Haley uh, was the first, Bobby was the second, Caleb was the third, and then Dr. Shaw was the fourth. And I think sort of listening and understanding the cadence and sort of the drama and the tension and how people were speculating was, you know, helping to guide us in terms of when we drop those assets when when is it starting the conversation starting to to dull a little bit and we need to to bring in a new piece right the internet's ready for it i like i out of my I like started talking about it like we were you yeah. know you know what how uh, sneaker brands drop drop sneakers i was like we're we're dropping a yeah. piece of content today and that's yeah. what it, that's what it <laughs> sort of felt like you know we wanted people you know, itching at the seams to see another layer of this story to learn a little bit more about what may or may not be the truth.
3: Yeah, and then I think that there was a few aspects too. It was even down to some of the wording that was used, right? So, how are people talking? And then, what are we putting? Are we saying similar things? So, the verbiage. Um, you know, often the team came and said, "Like this is going great. We need more memes, right? You know, so mm-hmm. can we do more?" And it was like okay do you think you have time to do more like we think we can get this this other you know meme account tomorrow um we just need Mm -hmm. like the resources it's like okay well like Mm -hmm. let's do it so i think it was also just building and building like it was just never enough um and then of course like paid media did come in um as we went into our phase two and then it was significant paid media optimization Right. And ultimately, with the goal of especially in phase two to edutain, where we're um, entertaining and educating on what we really need to say. And that's where we brought the Derms in to talk about things like ceramides to also educate people on skin. Right. So like, we have this whole fun campaign that has like true, deeper, underlying meanings. So it was also how do we get that message out in cool ways um, and the teams together had all these different types of influencers. And at times they were like, okay, we should have this one go up like to Charlie's point, publish faster, or we need to do a few more newsbreakers, or we need a few more dermatologists. And I think that these were some of also our optimizations in real time.
1: Gotcha. and. I want to I want to kind of recap the lessons learned because I just feel like there's so many things here that are so telling about your client agency relationship, how you approached going viral, like it, it was so strategic. Um, but first, I one quick question about creators because. I think that's going to be huge this year. And you guys just use them really well. So, Adam, this goes back to what you were saying, I think, even before we started recording, how, you know, you can plan ABC and then they'll do X, Y, Z. So in terms of working with your creators, like, did you give them the brand guidelines or the copy? How did you advise them to to stick to the script in a way that was still natural to their voice, but also highlighting CeraVe's, you know, product?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think we could both speak to this being so bothly deeply ingrained in the brief, but I think generally speaking, our goal with creators to get the best story is to also let them tell the story, right? So, you know, there's obviously brand guidelines there, which are, you know, like loose by nature. Um, I think for this type of campaign, we had to share in some respect what our narrative is, and then it's like, okay, well, but have fun and go. Um, so, depending on the program, the briefs change with creators. We do have like this always on program that we're putting in play, which like should eventually share because it's really cool. But the briefs to them is like, you know, no cursing, you know, like no violence, um, stuff like that. But like you tell a great story, make the Cerebi product secondary in your story and just have fun, get people watching, make it cool. Um, so like, you know, small, portion of our testing does go to something like that as a brief. Um, And then there are times where it's a teensy bit more prescriptive, but never prescriptive enough where we stifle creativity.
4: Yeah. And, you know, I'll say, I mean, and these influencers were chosen based on their shtick and what they do and what their audience sort of loves about them. Right. So, you know, Bobby has these sort of awkward, candid, direct interviews, and that was, Perfect, because then she could grill Michael Sarah on mm. his sort of involvement. So you know, we we built around them and their talent and their, um, you know, what their audience sort of loves about them. And you know, those are just our hero influencers, but we had hundreds of influencers. I mean, this was you know multi-pronged, right? Um, influence. We're playing a, a role every step of the way, sort of surrounding those hero assets. Perhaps you saw, but we sent out these sort of haphazard uh, boxes from Michael, Sarah to uh, 400 plus um, influencers and even in global markets where they just sort of opened it and were like, what is this?
2: And we had a hilarious
4: <laughs> message from from michael Sarah, and we have the narwhal in there as an easter egg for the um the spot that was coming um so it was you know is it was, it was a is a very sort of multi-layered influencer strategy and approach
3: yeah and even michael right when he was responding to like bobby or dr shaw for him like it's not he wasn't scripted so like you know like it was improv at its best
1: mm-hmm Yeah, it's all about improv. No, it it was so great. Um, Before I ask you guys what's next, um, because that's also such a crucial part of the campaign. I mean, Super Bowl is over, but it's almost like the work has just begun because you have to continue the momentum. But before we go into that, I would love to kind of quickly recap like the lessons and just really what attributed to your success so that our listeners can kind of inform their own work. So what I'm hearing is there was a strong client agency partnership there, um, the goal was to go viral, but there was such a strategy behind it. You put your creators, you put your product after the creator storylines. I think that's different. Um, but yeah, I would, I would love to hear in your own words what the golden lessons here were.
4: Sure. Yeah. I think for I think collaboration is so key in doing work like this. Right. I mean, this wasn't one idea. This was a hundred ideas. Right. Like. How should we brief the influencers? How should we pull in um, the the New York Times? You know, the the pharmacy, this was a hundred ideas. And whether you're a social expert, influencer expert, PR expert, you know, Adam and his team, we were all throwing ideas out there and sort of ideating together in a really sort of agile way. And I think as sort of, you know, as I... You know, as you can imagine, a lot of our clients are asking, hey, how do I get a a CeraVe idea, right? I think that that just integration, you know, between the agency and the client and then also with, you know, within the team and bringing all those experts to the table um, was really sort of a key learning uh, for us to sort of deliver on hyper, you know, um, modern marketing and sort of creating a, 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 a new way to do things.
3: Yeah. And, you know, I think I'd add too. Um, and for me, you know, I, a lot of this started with that RFP, right? Like that brief. And I think that if I had to guess a typical Super Bowl brief is we have an ad, we need to make an ad, right? Yeah. Of course, like that was included in the brief, but it was like, I need a 360 world, um, across every single touch point and then come up with some more of your own. If you got any ideas, right. Um, so I think it really, it does start in the ask with the hope that the agency can answer with gusto, which obviously all we did. And then I guess it's also just being your best self and who you are. And for us, like that edutaining is something we do every day. So we wanted to kind of lean into how do we entertain at the same time, educate, and then when the ask is, like, how do we go deeper and, you know, do something that hasn't been done? And then we land in a place like immersive storytelling in different phases. Um, I think it's just being brave and being ready to take on some, like, new frontier um, in a, an atmosphere like the Super Bowl, which doesn't necessarily call for this type of earned first thinking.
1: Um, and did you say edutain, entertain and educate? Is that the term that yeah, that was used? I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's key. Um, no, that's, that's so great. And um, I think it's very important. I, it's very interesting that you said the RFP and the brief, because it's such a detail that I feel like might be often glazed over, but it's really how you kind of set the tone.
3: Yeah. I mean, I hate to say that, uh, you know, sometimes we say here that, you know, if something doesn't necessarily work, I've heard people say it must have been a bad brief. And I, so I've heard, <laughs> I've heard people say it and I take it very seriously because uh, it is true. And then I think even the collaboration through the process of, um, you know, of the RFP and early on is so critical, like really, really critical. Um, and having been on the agency side, I understand what I wish we did so I guess I, in thinking like that, you know, I try to have the teams come together in a certain way. And of course, like Charlie's yeah. game and creative team and everyone else's game, so it works out great.
4: Yeah, I think there's yeah. there's a real sort of uh, bravery that's required um, from the brand side to do earned first creativity like this, because, you know, ultimately, you know, if you if you create an asset and ship it, that's a controlled environment, right? A TV spot is a controlled environment. Obviously, um, you know you're you're on the main stage and sort of opening up to um, to a lot of feedback. But I think in in this, as we sort of rolled out this campaign, it was um, you know it, it, you lose control a little bit, right? And you share and you co-create with um media to tell the story and influencers to tell the story. You want everyday people to participate and become a part of the experience. And that sort of that that willingness and eagerness to to share the story and to give up that control, I think, um, is a real testament to to Sarah V, Adam, and the team because um that's that's what made this.
3: If I can to share two more yeah. things, I just think it's it's so great. So we had a command center, like a four-day command center, um, right before the Super Bowl, during the Super Bowl, and then after the Super Bowl. Um, and you know, there was everyone was in the room, right? Actually, there was many rooms because you had like the listening room, and then you had a creation room because we had Dr. Shaw, um, you know, some people from Cervey, and you know, our goal was how do we create in real time? How do we work together in real time? And real time is really difficult because like you're trying to take like a month's worth of work and do it in like a day, right? Everyone needs to come together. You're optimizing paid at a super fast speed, like faster than you typically would, right? Because everything's accelerated. And it's a moment where the teams really have to have a good relationship where everything will fall apart. And it was, I mean, there was like 40 people or so in total when we were at our full capacity in this command center. You know, again, like you have strategists, you have creatives, you have pay, you know paid media, agencies, all different layers, PR, Um, and everyone is just working together in such a symbiotic way. Um, But it takes the months uh, before that of coming together and really enjoying each other's company in a creative way to be able to pull off a real time moment where like it sticks and good things come out of it and there's great vibes. You know, it's not so easy, but I think uh, the relationship is key and the command center was fun.
4: Yeah, that was
1: really fun. At
4: the
3: command center, you know, I mean, it was so much fun.
1: And man, to be a fly on the wall there was Michael Sarah in the command center. No, ever he he was. He was Uh. in spirit.
3: In spirit, Mm -hmm. right? In
1: spirit, he was. Yeah, and
3: on the TV screens.
1: Yeah, and he was on. Mm -hmm. Well, this was such a great conversation. Thank you so much for taking us behind the scenes of this big moment that you had. We can't wait to see what you do next. And thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGiboney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. If you expect your media investment to deliver clear, measurable results, Walmart Connect can help you get there with powerful analytics and the reach of America's number one retailer. Their closed-loop measurement uses Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to track the impact of your campaigns on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today and see how they can help make your media spend meaningful. Walmart Connect. More than media, meaningful connections.